next song is very famous as well. It's called It Is Well. And I think it is a song that helps us celebrate and rest in the kindness of God in tough circumstances. And you will see, especially in the message that it is to come uh, as we, we preach from the scriptures, how important it is to embrace suffering when it comes and not trying to avoid it. Um, I think this song, I think, is also a helpful tool to do that. So let's sing it as well. And peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like Oh, my soul. 
And Father, as we now come to hear your word as well, we pray for open ears. And Lord, we are thankful that you have given the Holy Spirit to us, who warns, who prepares, who convinces, who leads, and who guides. And Lord, we also want to use the opportunity to thank you for every single blessing you have poured upon our lives, including our, including our finances. And Father, we want to praise you for that and we want to thank you for the contributions that were done throughout the week online and for the ones that are done here today. And we pray for wisdom in order how to use those resources in a way that it is glorifying to your name and in a way that it is used to reach out to people to glorify you as well. We pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as, again, as you heard me quickly praying for the offering, we're not going to collect the offering here uh, up as of right now. We're not going to be passing the bag, but there is a bag there if you want to contribute here. Okay? There's a bag there, but we do encourage you to use the online means for, for that. Reading of the Scriptures, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We will read from verse 1 to verse 5. Just need to... Oh, let's start it again. That's good. There you go. Bang. So, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, from verse 1. Sorry, it is second. Sorry. I'm pretty sure it is second. Second Timothy chapter 4 from verse 1 to verse 5. I wrote it wrong there. Just confirm this. <laughs> yep, Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four from verse one to five. Let's read. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when the people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, so do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, Father. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And we pray for the help of the Spirit to bring it to mind all the things you want us to learn. 
And would it cause it, this word to be living inside of us, working out in deeds of righteousness. For your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is the last message on fake prophets. This is the truth now. I wasn't quite sure if I was going to do two or three messages as I've been telling you guys. But this is going to be the last one. And the reason, again, I decided to talk about fake prophets is because there's so much fake things and fake news going out there. And I thought that 2020 did us a good favor with the pandemic, as we've heard many prophets making prophecies that turned out not to be true. And I think sometimes we are not aware of that so much. But even if we are aware, there is still a danger for you and for me. So first week, what I said was these were the characteristics of a false prophet. So there were a few characteristics there for you to see if you want to identify one. Second week, I brought some characteristics that a false prophet lacks. Okay, So these are the things that a false prophet has, and these are the things that a false prophet doesn't have, which they should have to be a true prophet, of course. So hopefully those two weeks, they, they worked as a, an equipping for you. I gave you some tools to discern and to understand what a, what a false prophet is and to identify one. Now, one of the things that we've learned is that a false prophet is misleading. They're subtle. They're not, necess- they're not so easily identified. And even with the warnings, sometimes they can uh, mislead you and me at the same time. So my job today is to say, even though those warnings are there and I equipped you with those things to, to identify a false prophet, even then, you need to make sure you have your life positioned in such a way to avoid, to be protected against error. All that I'm trying to say is this. Remember that the Lord Jesus says that false prophets were coming. And as the false prophets come, he says that they would come with the power of Satan himself to mislead the people. And if possible, they would lead astray even the elect of God. So the warnings are powerful so that you don't rely on yourself to fight against the deceitfulness of false prophets. So what I'm trying to do today is this. I'm trying to, we've heard from Jude, we heard from Jesus. Now we're going to hear from Paul about how you live in an age of false prophecy. How you position your life in such a way to be protected as much as possible from false prophecies. Now, as I said to you, Paul was concerned about false prophets. And that can be found in the passage that we've just read over here. Because he's preparing young Timothy to take the ministry of teaching of the word. Timothy was already doing that. So this is literally what is believed to be the last letter that Paul wrote. Okay, So we're thinking here about Paul in his old age. As a matter of fact, he describes later on that he's now being poured out as a drinking offering. He's saying... 
I'm, 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 I'm at the very end here. I don't have much else to, much, much else to do, Timothy. I've completed my ministry. I've run the race. I fulfilled the ministry. I kept the faith. So that, those are all verses that, that's a verse that we know very well and we love it. And that's Paul saying, I'm at the end of it. And now, Timothy, it's up to you. It's up to you, and I want to prepare for this to come. And there is a ministry of deception that's going to start to take place. And this, this, this passage that we've just read is Paul preparing Timothy for that. And thus preparing you as well. Because he says, he's going to say a few things that people should do or pay attention to when it comes to false prophet. And he says that in verse 3 and 4, that he's saying those things for the times coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Some people would call this a great apostasy or there is an apostate church that's going to take place. But Paul is saying, this is coming. And whatever I'm going to tell you now, I'm telling you so that you avoid this. You avoid this personally and you help your people to avoid that as well. So that's what I'm going to try to do today. I'm going to try to, try to understand what Paul is saying that Timothy should do. In light of this time that it is coming when people are not going to like sound doctrine anymore and lots of false teachers, false prophets are going to come leading the people astray and they are going to wander off. I've got two things that I see that Paul is saying to, to Timothy here. Two things. The first thing I believe he's saying to Timothy is accept the charge. And he's saying this to Timothy and now also to the congregation as well. And that's what I say to you. Accept the charge to sit under the preaching of the word of God. And here the words are very sobering. Have a look at what Paul says. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now the words here are literally the words of someone who is passing the baton. Can you see it? In the presence of God, he's saying, okay, I've done what I should have done. Now I'm passing the charge on to you. Now this is amazing because nowhere else in Paul's epistles, you see him use such a strong charge. Can you see the, the, how solemn this charge is? He says, I charge you in the very presence of God and of Christ Jesus. And he could just leave it there. But he's like, no, he's the one who sits as the judge of the living and the dead. And he's coming again to bring the fullness of his kingdom. What a charge. Like, he's trying to say, this is serious, young man. Does that make sense? He's saying, Timothy, this is something you should know. It's very, very, very serious. So in a way, Second Timothy already is, I would say, the last words, in a way, 
of an apostle to a young pastor. So if there so in this letter, basically, Paul is putting everything that he thinks Timothy should pay attention to. But on top of that, he includes this solemn charge. And the charge is simple. Preach the word. He should preach the word because, and remember verses 3 and 4, 4, there will come a day. So in order, in order to avoid that, Timothy... In order to avoid that people who will be led astray, who will fall, who who will uh, be led astray, who will be following uh, myths, and who will want uh, teachers to be teaching according to their own desires, in order to avoid that, Timothy, preach the word. In order to take care of your congregation, well, Timothy, preach the word. And for the congregation, I believe Paul is saying as well, be submitted or sit under the preaching of the word of God. Now, he makes a few descriptions of what that preaching specifically has to have in order to prepare you and to equip you to avoid that. So Paul mentions the way that preaching should be done and the content of that preaching, okay? The way, so he's not just saying preach the word. He's saying preach the word in this specific way and preach the word with this particular content. The way that Paul is saying for, for Timothy to preach is preaching has to be central, preaching has to be constant, and preaching has to be clear. Preaching has to be central. And here we've got three C's. I only realize after that they're actually three C's. I usually don't do that because I'm, I'm not, bad, not good at it. But they are three C's. Preaching needs to be central. Preaching needs to be constant. And preaching needs to be clear. Because Paul says to him, preach the word. I'm charging you. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, which means central. He's saying preaching needs to be present at all times. In the gathering of the church of Jesus Christ, teaching, preaching has to take central place in season and out of season. So basically what he's saying is this. There is not a moment in the gathering of God's people where preaching is not. Does that make sense? Preaching has to be central to what you do, Timothy, if you want to avoid those false teachings as well as help your people to avoid that. But not only central, preaching needs to be constant. And here is a little difference here. Because sometimes central and constant, they don't happen at the same time. So, so for example, you can have something that it is central but doesn't happen constantly or you can have something that's happening constantly but it's not central how do you find out that so for example if someone comes so if you want to find out if you're if your preaching is central if someone comes into your meeting what would they say these people value the most in their meeting that will identify if it is central 
centrality of preaching has to be something that even a person that steps in for the first time will find out. Yeah, those guys like their Bibles. They value what the Word of God has to say. Now, the constant is when people come, whenever they come, they will find that reality. Does that make sense? Not just one day. It is constant with patience. And I believe what he's trying to say here is this. Timothy, this is something you can't do just once. You've got to keep doing. It is like a labor on the, in the field. You can't do it and just leave it. You've you got to keep doing it. You've got you to gotta sow. You've got to water. You've got you to gotta keep going. It, it is a process that it is constant. And then lastly, he says that we are to do that not only with complete patience, but also with teaching, which means has to be clear. And here... I've got a lot of people, sometimes they ask me, what is the difference between preaching and teaching? Right? So it's a fair question. Lots of people, they struggle with the question of, what is the difference between preaching and teaching? And a way that I like to define it is, preaching would be the heralding, or the telling, or the, the informing of something. So usually done by a messenger. So a messenger of the king, he comes and he, he, he puts his stool, he hops on it, and he, he gets the message and he addresses the crowd by saying, the king has told that from now on, every Sunday is to be a public holiday. Okay? This is preaching. He's passing on the message. The king has told that from now on, Every Sunday is to be a public holiday. He heralded, he preached, he told people what is to be told on behalf of the king. Now, teaching is when that little young boy comes. Sir, what is a public holiday? And so, oh, young man, a public, and then he goes and he explains what a public holiday is. Now he's clarifying. He's making the message clear. So my, my encouragement to you is to accept the charge to sit under the teaching of the Word of God that it is to be central, constant, and clear. And if by all means I am failing to deliver any of that, I would love feedback for you guys to tell me. Juliano, I don't understand your preaching sometimes. Fantastic. Because it should be understood. It should be constant, and it should be central. That's the way God's Word needs to be preached according to Paul. Now, the content is also fundamental here, because he says, and here it happened to be two Ds, and I had, like, I had to change the other one to be a three Ds. I got three Cs in there. I, I need to get three Ds in here. So I've got th three Ds about the content the content of the preaching of the word needs to bring discernment, discipline, and direction. The content of the preaching of God's word needs to bring discernment, needs to bring discipline, and needs to be direction. bring direction. Have a look what Paul says very clearly there. He says, preach the word, be writing season out of season, reprove which means discernment, show what's right and wrong. 
Reproving is, I reprove of this, I approve of this. So what he's trying to tell Paul is this, through, uh, tell Timothy is this, through your preaching, you should help people to achieve discernment. You should help people see what is approved and what is reproved by God. The content of your message should be a content that help people to know what is right and what is wrong, which is so, so, so not politically correct these days. Has to be gray. We can't tell this is right, this is wrong anymore. We have to be very cautious. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You've got, you've got to stand up and say, this is wrong. This. You've got to reprove. You've got to direct. You've got to do this. You've got to discipline. by re- and, and here the word is rebuking. What a tough word. It is a tough word. This means that it is my job sometimes to make you not like my messages. <laughs> It is, it is this. It is, it is what it is. Rebuking means when you call for discernment and you find that discernment in you of what's right and what is wrong, the pastor is supposed to help you see what's wrong in you. Rebuking is part, is fundamental to Christian living. It's fundamental. If you sit under a teaching where you never feel rebuked, there is a problem with that teaching. It doesn't have to be all the time. But if you sit under a teaching that you never feel rebuked, you are in line to be a captive person to a false prophet. Do you see that? Because can you see the contrast of the false prophets? The false prophets are the ones who preach things that Everyone likes to hear, you know, with itching ears, preaching according to my passions. And Paul is saying, no, 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 you don't preach according to what your hearers want to hear. You preach according to the word and that will rebuke, that will bring discipline into your people. And lastly, he says, exhort the people, which is encourage people in the right direction. Urge them in the right direction. So Paul is saying, if you want to avoid the danger of false prophets, make sure you make it a priority to expose yourself and your family to the preaching of the Word of God. This preaching must be done at all times with patience and with teaching, and its content must enable you to discern right from all wrong. It must be able to point point out things in your life you need to change, and he must urge you to walk in a way that it is pleasing to the Lord. If you put yourself in an environment like that, your life is very likely to be protected from false teaching. And lastly, my second point says, embrace a lifestyle that it is false prophecy proof. Embrace a lifestyle that is false prophecy proof. And we can see that in verse 5. Paul is giving that charge to Timothy, but could be given to the church as well. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. 
four points. Enduring, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul is saying, if you want to avoid the danger of being misled by a false prophet, you need to embrace a lifestyle that it is sober-minded. A lifestyle that it is critical. A lifestyle that it is watchful. A lifestyle that avoids the crowd mentality. A lifestyle that it is waiting, watching, thinking, processing, testing things against the Word of God. That is what sober-minded is. Not easily excited and led astray by the new things that are out there. Not holding up things that the Scriptures do not hold up. Sober-minded. Because if there is one thing that is natural to us as humans is crowd mentality, right? Crowd mentality is something that's powerful. We don't even realize and we're caught up in it. And Paul is saying, no, you should be sober-minded. Now, this next one here, which is endure suffering, I think is probably one of the key things when it comes to the most powerful deception that it is literally ravaging the church of the Lord Jesus Christ these days. Endure suffering. Under the label of false teaching, I believe probably the most the most central, at least the most famous, I would say, way of false teaching, and where you would find most of the false teachers, is what are called the prosperity gospel, or prosperity church, or health and wealth, or word of, move, word of faith kind of movement. These are the churches that are the biggest the wealthiest, because they preach a message that if you are going through suffering in your life, that doesn't belong to you because you are a son and a daughter of the king and you should speak into that adversity and bind all the demons that are there. And so You are not meant for suffering. Suffering does not belong to you. You have the mindset of a winner. There is a book that is quite famous out there at the moment from one of those prosperity teachers where he says, your best life now. Suffering has no part in your best life. You shouldn't suffer. Jesus suffered in your... And they all, they all use Bible verses, you see, to, to support what they're saying to you, saying you should not suffer. Now I'm, I'm, I'm here saying, do you think... That is a message that attracts crowd or not. Of course it does. Of course it does. Whilst that message is saying, avoid suffering, Paul's message to, to Timothy is, endure suffering. Endure it. And as you endure it, do the work of an evangelist. 
tell the good news of Jesus. And here I believe that if there is nothing, nothing better for your soul than doing the work of an evangelist to keep you away from false, prof from false prophets. You ask me, how's that, Giuliano? It's very simple. Preaching the gospel, sometimes people get converted, they, they follow Jesus, that's amazing. Yay, we celebrate that. But most of the time, let me tell you, you will be rejected. There's nothing better for your soul, for the goodness of your soul, to be rejected from preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good for you. When Paul says, do the work of an evangelist, he's not just saying that out of the blue. He's saying, this is a lifestyle you should have, Timothy, in order to avoid that crowd mentality, this, this falling away, this wandering off from the faith. Possibly you never thought that being an evangelist was an essential part of your health as a Christian. But let me tell you this. In order for you to have a healthy spiritual life, you need to do the work of an evangelist. And here I am saying in your own way. I'm not saying that all of you need to be pastors. I'm not saying that all of you need to go out into the streets and preach the gospel uh, in the streets. What I'm saying is this. You should take the charge that evangelism, it is our job, not my job. And as you take the charge, as you understand that sharing the word of Christ, it is your responsibility. As you engage in that, as you do the work of an evangelist, that especially the rejection, the pushing away, will do an awesome good for your soul. Because it will teach you. It will teach you that our life is not about being accepted. It will help you not to put roots in this world. It will help you to understand, to not seek uh, the, you know, the, the, the approval of men. There are so many things that evangelism does for our soul. Helps with our priorities. Do the work of an evangelist. And lastly, he says, fulfill your ministry. He's saying, if you want to avoid that falling away, Timothy, let me tell you, God has given you a gift used to serve your brothers and your sisters. And that's one of the things I believe why those ministry, they, ministries, those false prophets ministries, they are so successful and they are online on TV. Because sometimes people get it. And that's, that was one of the dangers, by the way, and I was thinking, I think it's amazing for us to do things online and to put sermons online. But we don't have an online church. Because church is here. Because church is not you sitting down and watching something, even though this is important to sit under the preaching and the teaching. But church is you with your gifts serving those around you. The church is not me with my gifts serving you. That's important. That's fundamental. But that's not everything. Church is you with your gifts that God has given you serving the people around you. And fulfill your ministry is a charge that Paul puts onto Timothy to help him fulfill not only his ministry, but to avoid the deception of 
false prophet. If you want to avoid that, make sure you embrace a life that avoids the crowd mentality, that embrace the moments of suffering that come your way, that makes evangelism a lifestyle, and have it as a goal to use your gifts in the Lord's work until the Lord calls you home. And here I close. If you accept the charge to sit under the word that's being preached, if you embrace that lifestyle that I've just described, Paul is saying, if you do that, you will avoid, you will avoid the time that is coming when people will not endure sound teaching anymore, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And, and here is the, the terrible thing, they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So closing this, this mini-series on false prophecies, that's my encouragement to you. Not only learn to discern what a, prophet, a false prophet has, the characteristic that he has, not just learn to find out what, the fo- what a false prophet lacks, but also learn to align your life with the teaching of the Scriptures so that you'll be positioned in a way where it will be very difficult for you to be led astray from those false teachers. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Because the keeping of your flock, the shepherding of your flock, happens also through the preaching of your word. It is amazing when the Lord Jesus says to the, to, to the apostles, you are all clean when they were asking about why should they wash their hands and their feet. And, the, and Peter says, Lord, wash me completely. Wash, wash also my head. And, and Jesus says, you are all clean. You, are, you have been cleansed by the word that I've preached to you. So Lord, may that cleansing, that, prep, the, that keeping happen here in our midst. The keeping that happens through the preaching of the word through the aligning of our lives with the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for protection over your people here. Because the truth is, the power of deception out there is huge. And it is strong. At the same time, we know that stronger is the one who lives in us. That more powerful is the one who lives in us. So we pray, keep your people, bless your people, grow your people, use your people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We have one last song, and this song is for, for those, especially when you feel a little bit overwhelmed, because again, as I said, I don't want you to downplay the power of deception. And I kept saying that because it's important. But I don't, I don't want you to underestimate the power of God to keep you. And this is precisely what it is, this song. This song, it says, Yet not I, 
but through Christ in me. Yeah, you don't have strength to withstand against the deception of Satan, but through Christ in you, the hope of glory, you can do that. So let's sing, Yet Not I, but through Christ in me. need to turn the camera again forgot to do that there you go I hold my hope is only Jesus 
Father, we pray precisely for that, for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Spirit of God to be effective, enduring, and powerful in our lives. We pray for such a work to be evident not only to us, but to others around us. And we pray especially for that work to be effective against deception. Lord, we pray. We pray for the reality of what the, the Apostle John says, that we have an anointing that teaches us, talking about the presence of the Spirit, guiding us into all truth. So I pray, Lord, that may we experience that reality in our lives, that the Holy Spirit, through the preaching, the teaching, the reading of the Word of God, will guide us in a way that it is perfect, protected, shielded from deception. We pray for that, Lord, because we acknowledge that we are weak, that we are fragile, and that we don't have what it takes to win this war. But the truth is, you have already won it. And we want to tag along. We want to jump on your victorious boat. That's sailing into eternal life. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And now that the love of God, now that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the presence and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with God's people now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you everyone for joining in today.